Hey, this is Dewey from Pure Pleasure on Jabberjaw Media. I wanted to tell you guys about the Patreon for the show. It's called the Pleasure Seekers Club, and there's two levels. There's the $5 level and the $10 level. And all this is, guys, is to help support the show, help support the cost of putting the show out, um, you know, time spent uh, building the show, hosting costs, travel costs to do the in-person interviews that you guys like so much. Um, it all costs money. And I always try to find the best deal for sure uh, because I do have a day job as well. But having that support on the Patreon is definitely going to help bring more in-person interviews, more travel, more uh, updated uh, graphics, hosting, websites, all that stuff. So, um, And if you like the show, $5 a month or $10 a month really helps out. I know it's kind of uh, an interesting thing with the Patreon when something's already free. Uh, but it is always going to be free. But if you want to support the show a little bit more, I'd absolutely appreciate it. Uh, you can pay either $5 or $10 a month. We'll try to do some special things for the patrons as well as we go. Um, but it's just a way to support the show in a different way. And uh, like I said, I really appreciate you guys coming back week after week. That's the most important thing I can ask for. So definitely go over and check out the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Podcast. Once again, that is patreon.com slash Podcast. Sign up today and join the community and help out the show. Keep it growing. And I thank you so much. Hey, this is Doc Coyle, host of the X-Man Podcast and part of the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network. The X-Man Podcast is where I talk to professionals in the music world and other creative industries about the challenges and transitions of leaving monumental ventures. This podcast is for those passionate and driven 20 to 30-somethings at a crossroad trying to figure out what's next. Listen and subscribe at JabberjawMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. This is Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. And this week we have Mr. Chris, number two, from Anti-Flag. I know you guys love Anti-Flag just like I do. I have for so many years. It was a blast talking with uh, Chris at the Hawthorne Theater in Portland. And what a great dude. We had so much in common, it was crazy, and and listening through the story, and you'll hear it in the interview, but we touched on a lot of sad stuff as well as a lot of good stuff, but what a great attitude, and you know, he's been through a lot of stuff, and coming out on the other end like that is is something very admirable, and uh, I absolutely had a blast, and I know you guys are going to have a blast too. This was a great interview uh, with Chris, and what a great new record, American Fall. 
one of my top favorite, well, top favorite, one of my favorite records of the year. Absolutely. It's in my top five. I listen to it a few times a week. I've always got headphones in at work and and always have stuff playing. So if it's not a podcast in the last, you know, month and a half, it's been that record. And just there's so much good stuff on there and there's absolutely not a bad song on the record. So definitely check out American Fall by Anti-Flag. Check them out live on this tour they're on now uh, with Stray From The Path. And just check them out entirely. If you've never heard them before, they have a huge back catalog. And uh, it's hard to believe if you listen to the show that you have not heard Anti-Flag. But just in case, check them out. Um, so let's get some business out of the way. And then we're going to jump into this one because I want you guys to hear all of it on Adobe and on iTunes. So um, like I always say, if you have an interview that cuts off after an hour on Adobe, it's always available on iTunes, uh, the full version uh, always available to you for download. SoundCloud, everywhere podcasts are available. So we are on purepleasurepodcast.com. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. We're everywhere podcasts are available. Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, definitely tell a friend about the show. Send them to the website. Get them hooked up with the show. There's a lot of episodes. We've got, uh, I believe, almost 70 episodes. Um, and, I, I mean, that's a huge huge deal for me because it's a lot of content that's out there in the world now uh a lot of me talking and a lot of uh questions and a lot of comments so it's cool to look back on all those episodes and kind of sift back through them um and a lot of people write me and say hey we discovered the show you know this last week and we've been you know on our commute to work listening episode by episode until they get to the end of the whole the whole uh show so that's really cool to know too that people are going back and listening to old episodes maybe bands or people they didn't know um and having that discovery so um definitely check out purepleasurepodcast.com um hit us up on the socials uh purepleasurepod at gmail.com is the email um and we are sponsored by rockabilia.com rockabilia.com over five hundred thousand licensed items from your favorite bands i mean everything from coffee mugs to slip mats to flags you know anything including t-shirts but everything else under the sun you can imagine i mean you can find some crazy shit on there and just for listening to the show you're going to get 15 percent off your order when you use the code pc peer pleasure at checkout um you know you can't beat that 15 percent off some awesome stuff it's real deal. It's not knockoffs. It's great quality. And what a great company, rockabilia.com. And they've sponsored this show uh, and have you know extended their sponsorship out through the end of February and also sponsored the whole network of Jabberjaw, which this show is on Jabberjaw Media as well. So definitely check them out. Check out Stumptown Coffee, Stumptown Coffee in Portland, Oregon here, uh, also online at stumptowncoffee.com sponsoring the show and doing an absolutely bang up job keeping everyone awake and caffeinated and ready to rock there's a lot of work that goes into putting this show together and i really appreciate having them on board so check out rockabilia.com check out stumptown coffee now without further ado let's get into my conversation with chris number two from antiflag Escaping the American attraction A bait and switch that's gonna throw you with distraction It sounds so good you can't resist the satisfaction When it's all over you'll be crying, I'll be laughing Tick, 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 and down to a disaster Your insecurity is all the gun and after All right, Chris number two Welcome to the Pure, Pure Pleasure Podcast, my friend Oh yeah, thank you for having me uh, <laughs> um, Thanks for coming to the venue early 
to uh, to do this. It's very kind of you. Absolutely, absolutely. Like I was telling you earlier, I reached out months ago about about interviewing you guys because um, you guys have a special place in my heart. We're all from Alaska, all my guys, and and uh, bought Die for Your Government at Mammoth Music in Anchorage, Alaska. Wow. Way back, okay. way back. We were still in high school, and uh, I have. It was one of those things you bought because of the cover, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, I know you came in right after that. But I bought it because of the cover. Yeah, the cover. <laughs> I had no idea. My parents had just thrown away the Chronic and yeah. thrown away uh, Beastie Boys and all this stuff, or broke them. Like yeah. well, this will not be in my house. Yeah. And uh, so we'd go to Mammoth Music and we'd just like surf through the bins, and I found like Reagan Youth and all these like just crazy punk rock. And then Diefinger was like, "Holy shit, what is this?" <laughs> and for some reason, my folks didn't throw. They just questioned yeah. it. They're like. Yeah. Okay, that's different. Yeah. So what are you against now? That's and really funny. So that was what really got me thinking about other things. Like we listened to the songs and we were starting bands at that time. Mm-hmm. Our first high school punk band uh, called Nice Guy Eddie. And all of a sudden our songs started getting like dark and like we, we were pissed off. And we didn't know why. We didn't understand it the same yeah, way, you yeah, know. Yeah. But it hit us. It struck a chord with us. And, and uh, so that's something that's always. Well, that's very cool to me just in the fact that Alaska somewhere we've never been. And it really hammers home the idea of uh, records and their reach and their ability to find people when they need them mm-hmm. is so far out of your control. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, where it's like we've been on every label under the sun, done mm-hmm. tons of the stuff. And somehow the first record, which had the worst distribution in the world, <laughs> finds its way to you. You know, like that's just, yeah, that's very cool to me. Yeah, it makes- it's 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 i can't believe i found it there either like yeah. and we would go there and we'd go to pawn shops and like sift through the cds ones that look cool yeah and uh, take them home and you either got some that are good and some that are bad but, <laughs> but this one like kept in rotation yeah and uh it was th- it was that record and the record by the living end that our buddy told us about okay. that was like you gotta see this bass player he stands yeah, on yeah. it it's yeah, crazy yeah, yeah, and yeah. and uh but yeah, it changed our whole outlook. Like we were into Green Day and stuff like that, like the poppy stuff, and then this just completely opened. A whole yeah, I, thing. I find that that's a, a comparable conversation that I have uh, with a lot of people in regards to anti-flag and coming into their life at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's comparable to me too, because um, you know I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Green Day. Yeah. Um, I saw them; they looked like me. They had pimples on their face. They could barely play. That made sense <laughs> to me. That made me want to do it. And then um, it seemed unfathomable to perform, mm-hmm. but it, it introduced me to the scene. And then yeah. I found after the government, I, there was a, a, a cute girl in, uh, in our school and she liked punk mm-hmm. and she was a vegetarian and she liked anti-flag. And the next day I was vegetarian and liked <laughs> anti-flag too. And, uh, uh, and, you know, we went to see them play and uh, it was... That was the first time I thought I could do that. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's a thing that I, like, carry with me personally. Like, I want the people that come to our shows, no matter what stage in life they're in, to mm-hmm. feel as if, okay, I can do that. Or if I have something to say, or I will find my medium or my vocation to mm-hmm. get whatever's in me out. You yeah. know, uh, 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 um, how trivial it may seem to some or, or not, you know. So I think that, that um, uh, yeah, it's not an uncommon story to hear that someone picked up the record cover because it was cool and then found out, oh, this is a place to direct my frustration and anger because that's exactly what those guys were doing, I've subsequently learned, and mm-hmm. what then I was given the ability to do with the band moving forward. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, you came into a pretty like hot band. I mean, as far as the, the issues they're against and, yeah. and I mean very political mm-hmm. based band and you were fairly young when you got in I mean, yeah you were really I was 16 young. 17 okay. years old yeah were there things that maybe even now that you disagree with that the band you know was That's for i mean was there anything that you were like maybe went along with for a while and then we're like no guys i don't really feel this way or yeah you know you know um um so you know just to not go too far down the rabbit hole but um uh so my I was forced to grow up very quickly. Mm -hmm. And I think that that led me to have a greater understanding of the levity of the politics of anti-flag. Okay. Um, It wasn't just cool to me to say the word fuck. You Mm -hmm. know, like, I did that when I was nine because my brother 
was selling drugs and the cops were trying to arrest him all the time and mm-hmm. he would listen to fuck the police and yep. I was a kid and I thought, okay, I like, I wasn't, you know, there was some level of me that felt cool to play it for my friends because mm-hmm. it said the word fuck and they were all like tee hee hee. Yeah. But in a lot of ways, even at that young of age, I was like, the cops come to my bus stop and they slow down and they roll down to the window and they look at me and they go, you're Mike's little brother, right? We're going to fucking get him and then drive away. And I thought, That's intense. I hate these fucking pieces yeah. of shit. And so even that long ago, it was, I was able to direct, use music to direct that frustration. Mm-hmm. So, you know, fast forward to seeing Anti-Flag, you know, nine years later mm-hmm. when, uh, uh, seven, eight, nine years later, um, you know, their biggest track in the city was Fuck Police Brutality, uh-huh. aside from the song Die for the Government. Yeah. And it's because Pittsburgh had the highest police brutality rate in the country at the mm-hmm. time. You know, it was now looking back, I'm able to see that Anti-Flag was writing specifically about Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. It was interesting that a lot of those messages connect outward. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until I joined the band that we started to go to Europe and we started to extrapolate on our... Uh, understanding of the world mm-hmm. that the songs became more global sure. they were like you know don't break venues in pittsburgh david destroyed the punk scene don't, yeah. the cops suck yeah. you know johnny gamage is killed by the police <laughs> you know like they were directly you can go and do a a, a a lineage between what was happening in pittsburgh and the entire time for the government record yeah. so um so for me all of those things made sense okay um the biggest thing that I didn't get and didn't understand was the anti-war movement that they were inspired by. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin's parents were hippies and mm-hmm. against the war, and that went into the first Iraq war. Yeah. And I was too young. You know, like I had the Desert Storm trading cards because I yeah. thought it was cool. Yeah. You know, I didn't understand <laughs> that you know people were dying and it was a war for 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 nothing. You yeah. know, so um, that was an education process mm-hmm. for me. But you know, to come of age and really get my legs as as far as a songwriter is concerned, and as far as a person who's using punk rock as a vehicle to communicate. Um, that all happened to me for the second Iraq war. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the band dynamic kind of changed again. And I think that we got a little bit of longevity and, and, and you know, Justin was prepared. He, he understood what we were doing. Yeah. I was able to learn from that. And that helped us, I think, write some of our most important records at that time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a crazy thing because there are often times where we say like, no, we can't say that. Mm-hmm. You know, but nobody is ever like, I feel differently on this issue. And I think that that's why um, from the end of 98 until now, 2018, yeah. we've been the same four guys. You know? Okay. And so, I mean, if, if that came up where you or Justin or Pat or Chris said that, like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to say that. I don't think we should say this. Would would it be, go to a vote or would it be like if we're yeah, not all in we're not all in it's it's generally the 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 poutiest or the loudest wins okay, okay. <laughs> uh, um, as what i think with most bands yeah. you know um but as far as like political agenda discussions if you can make your point and do so passionately and have a rational reason for wanting to do it more than oh we want to be controversial or we want to be cool or we yeah. want to be on this hot button issue yeah um uh generally we will be like okay you sold it to me we could sell that going forward yeah. you know um and that there are times especially with a lot of the lyrics that i write i tend mm-hmm. to write way more metaphorical than justin does yeah and so there needs to be like what the fuck does that mean you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. we have to sit down and do that yeah and I think that that comes from, as I've grown politically, I've been far more inspired by, um, like, the French 60s protest movement and Mm -hmm. things like that. That was a little bit more poetic and a little bit more, um, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, cool. Yeah. Like, I I was into... More romantic. Yeah. yeah, Sexy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So... um, so I think that, that, you know, those are mo- more than not, those are the conversations we're having. Like, what does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. So that when, you know, Pat sits down and does this interview, he doesn't go, I don't know. You know, yeah. like, 
like we we really do try to educate each other on mm-hmm. what the songs are about or what we're feeling when it's going down. Okay. So you guys take, I mean, take a lot of time when you're rehearsing and, or writing a record or, I mean, you just constantly communicating. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. of course, 24 hour news cycle. I mean, you yeah. can't get away from it. No. We're and, in a pretty rough time right now. But. Yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, we can get into like life lessons that we've, we've taken away. And mm-hmm. We've been more knee jerk reactionary in the past. And yeah. I think right now with what's going on, we're trying to be tactical. And we're trying to leave behind things that will be calculated and able to be referenced as um, more solidarity statements mm-hmm. and less, oh, you know, we hate Donald Trump. These are 10 songs about hating yeah. Donald Trump. You know, yeah. this record exists for the immediacy of Donald Trump and then it's, it's gone. Yeah. Um, but that comes from... You know, being on the other side of a Bush, a Clinton, Mm -hmm. a Bush, uh, an Obama, you know, like you learn, you learn that presidents are the symptoms, not the disease. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think that as we get older and better at writing songs and putting out records, we're trying to make sure that we're commenting on on the disease, not just the symptoms of it. And um, I think that like even that life lesson goes all the way back to fuck police brutality mm-hmm. where we felt powerless in the city of Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, it was like punks and shit getting fucked with by the cops, but yeah. we weren't being murdered at the level that black people were being murdered sure. in Pittsburgh at the time. So sure. how do you show solidarity with that? You know, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people reference songs like that and bands like Anti-Flag and think that like we believe that a song like Fuck Police Brutality is accompanied by some type of aha moment mm-hmm. where a person at the show tonight will be like, you know, I came here and thought police brutality was totally okay, but I heard that now. Oh, yeah. yeah exactly. That's not the fucking case. The sure. case is like, how do you raise your hand and say like, we see you, mm-hmm. we hurt with you, we have empathy for you. Like, that's how we do it. Yeah. You know, we write these songs so we get all these people in the room together and, you know, take note of one another that oppose violence against marginalized communities at unprecedented levels like sure that's the message you know it's not just uh, i i hope that i hope that you 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 learn that police brutality was not okay today see you later yeah sure yeah careful on your way home tonight dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's awesome because it you're building people up i mean in a time of a time of and that's why i noticed when i listened to the new record um, at work, I had my headphones in yeah. and I'm working away and working away. We're building a cancer hospital down on the waterfront. And so I have just going and going and going. I listened to it probably three times in a row because, like, Jesus Christ, this is catchy. Like, yeah. the songs were just solid. Like, it mm. seems like the songwriting has changed in a way that it's going to reach out to more people. It definitely has. I mean, the 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 hooks and everything mm-hmm. stick with you. The record as a whole flows well together. But even lyrically, like the things you're talking about it's still it's bringing people together yeah again instead of saying like you're saying fuck this fuck this yeah you could get in that room tonight and piss everybody on get everyone pissed off at yeah. everything or you could educate them a little bit and and have them leave with a smile yeah but thinking differently well we you met know? we met billy bragg when we were kids uh-huh. and, and he said you know we were like oh yeah we have a punk rock band and he's like oh cool very cool yeah um i'm not gonna listen to it <laughs> he's just like, I'll, but i'll tell you something uh you catch more flies with honey yeah and then he disappeared into the sunset you know? and, and you know what he was saying was write a great song because yeah. when you have a great song people will listen to what the hell you're talking about exactly and i think that if you follow the lineage of the band you know you play 200 shows a year for 20 years you got to figure some shit out. Yeah. And I think that that's where we're at, where we just understand what we want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, we were having conversations before we started rolling about bands and artists that get in that world where they need a single or they need, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're comfortable with who we are and we're not mm-hmm. chasing. So we're just trying to write the best version of, you know, Die for the Government. You know, like, yeah. like, like it's the same idea sure we're just better at it now we it's not as clunky it's not as forced Mm -hmm. um uh it tends to be a little more thought out and 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 we want to make those moments where the message is important um sonically feel important as well and uh i i you know i hope that i hope that people you know listen to it feel energized and you know put on their 
close and go out and face their day because that's really yeah. hard for people to do. It's hard for us to do. Yeah. Um, and if we didn't have these songs and these shows and this community, I don't know how I'd be doing it. You know, right yeah. now, uh, um, it it feels as if the tangible losses are greater than the tangible victories mm -hmm. in 2018. So that's a um, that screams to me that we need to take some solace and find some type of community and um, really, you know, more than anything, you know, when Donald Trump was elected, I'm sure you felt it and you saw it. People in the Muslim community, people in the transgender community, the gay uh, community, women as a whole, mm -hmm. they were afraid. Yeah. And so how do four straight white guys in a punk rock band show solidarity? You know what I mean? We yeah. only have one way to do that and that's to hold these events and you know, try to bring people along with us so that we can communicate that empathy yeah. and that solidarity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, it's, it's just, it's amazing to see how far you guys have come. I mean, the first time I think I saw you guys live was with Thrice back at the B complex. Oh yeah. It would have been like 2000. Uh, it was right after we moved down here two, in yeah. 2000. So like we, it was one of the first shows we went to and we're like, holy shit. And flags coming. They went, yeah. Those are, those were that's another shows. thing I wanted to talk about because being in a band that's so out front that way on paper yeah like when you get to know the band the music you know it's not anything like it looks like as yeah. far as to like my dad yeah, yeah, yeah who's like what the what the fuck is <laughs> why is that flag upside down on your shirt yeah what the fuck are you doing yeah i'm like no dad it's cool like yeah. it, it, they don't hate the troops like yeah. they don't he's like well why would they turn it upside down then and yeah. it's just like then you find yourself trying to explain it to your folks but trying to explain it to someone that doesn't that doesn't understand what you guys are about and just sees the album cover or yeah. sees a t-shirt david cross has that joke about the flags after 9-11 yeah. yeah. ah, yeah. fucking shove them up your ass shove flags them, yeah, are here yeah, yeah yeah that's a great that's a <laughs> yes it is post 9-11 during 9-11 like when 9-11 hit yeah did you guys kind of have an oh shit moment like oh my god what's gonna happen <laughs> or was it that because that was a lot earlier at that time i mean it wasn't yeah where you are now where you're comfortable with where you are you were still figuring yourselves out you've made this statement how do we get through yeah. this it's really funny um because i i don't know if it's because like stray are um straight from the path we're uh -huh. on tour with they kind of grew up on our records uh -huh. so i've been having a lot of these conversations because okay. i'll be like tell me what it was like when this happened <laughs> war stories <laughs> yeah, literally yeah, yeah. Uh, and um one of the things that's really interesting is they just released a track and it was, um, you know, confronting the alt-right movement in America. Uh -huh. And it got picked up by Breitbart and it got picked up by 4chan and all of the alt-right, you know, forums and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they got, you know, death threats via Twitter and yada, yada, yada. And, and I was kind of talking to them because it was after we had booked this tour and we knew yeah. we were... And they were just kind of reaching out, looking for advice. And, and I, I felt bad for them because they were going through something like really heavy and unprecedented in their life. Um, and so then, you know, fast forward to giving them the war stories and talking about yeah. what it was like to be an anti-flight post 9-11. Sure. And um, or on September 12th, you know, and um, they Tom from Straight turned to me and he was like, now I feel bad for texting you at three in the morning because someone wrote something bad about me on the internet. <laughs> like, your life was very scary. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you know, we, those shows, we, some of those shows, we, Florida, we were getting police escorts out because people wanted to kill us, you know. Um, Seriously. Kids put in mouth guards and were knocking out everyone who had anti-flag shirts on in the crowd. And um, it, was, it was insane. You know, there was a lot of violence that surrounded. Yeah. Um, the statement um every you know the two big carriers of our records yeah. at the time were hot topic and uh -huh. best buy they returned every piece of merch that they had um we were put on a band from radio list even though we had never had a song on the radio yeah. and it was really cute because it would be like uh, <laughs> um you know x band and a song that probably has a lyric about like, and the building fa fell, you know, or yeah. something like that. And so that it would be like that specific song is banned, but right at the top in the A's, anti-flag, every song. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, well that's something. Yeah. And um, you know, uh, um, Head who's over there to, to, to sitting at another table, he, 
his dad, who is a fan of the band, uh-huh. you know, um, our parents didn't really come to the shows. When yeah. We were, like, they didn't understand it. My mom still will tell me to go to college if, I, <laughs> if she came in the room right now. Um, but his dad, who was at every Pittsburgh show we ever played, was saying, you got to change your band name. Um, uh, uh, people were writing us letters in the punk, people that we were friends with in the punk scene for, for years, writing us letters saying, you have to change your band name. You have to support the president. We, we, can't, uh, we can't have divisive politics at this time. We need to come together. And all we were saying was that there was a thing called the Project New American Century. There was this belief that if a Pearl Harbor-esque event happened again uh, on U.S. soil, that they could go into the Middle East and build these pipelines. Mm-hmm. Let's just see what happens. Let's yeah. not allow this person who on September 10th we were fighting for hanging chads and discounted votes in Florida and he was 600 votes away from not being the president Mm -hmm. and then on September 12th he had taken uh, David Cross's genius pills yeah yeah exactly you know and (laughs) and you know all we wanted to do was say like let's not let's not use violence as our first result to combat violence yeah and that was an unacceptable answer to a lot of people Mm -hmm. and um we get it people were hurt and people were afraid and uh we'll never tell anyone that they were wrong you know um i saw like even like michael moore um who kind of became like a an ally at that time because Uh there wasn't many of us who were like on the front lines of 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 remaining anti-war and 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 and, and, uh, in the face of domestic terrorism and and international terrorism um but uh he said something like you know once the weapons of mass destruction thing turned out to be false he said i didn't want to be right you know And, and and that's the same way that we felt through it all like no one's claiming to be nostradamus it's just why is violence the solution for violence every time? Mm-hmm. And how do we derail us from this trajectory that we seem to be uh, on every single moment that it happens? So, um, yeah, it was a it was a crazy crazy time, and that tour was a real um, eye opening moment for the band that we had made the right decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, more than that, we put out a song called Nine One One for Peace. Yep, I remember that. One. Did it for free on the internet, and this was like when you know our servers crashed like that was a thing that could happen. yeah yeah <laughs> we had to, we got like a ten thousand dollar bandwidth bill from like giving a song <laughs> away for free on the internet and we were like what are we how are we gonna pay this you know and yeah so it's like a uh, um yeah those are things that you don't think about sure. happening but people were looking for that message mm-hmm. and it became abundantly clear to us that not everyone believed that george bush had taken the genius pills yeah. not everyone was ready to nuke them yeah. Um, uh, and, and, you know, we were going to the studio that we recorded uh, Mobilize and 911 for Peace mm-hmm. in every day passing a billboard that had been spray painted over just Nukem George. And, like, that's what you saw. And that was Jesus that was Christ. Pittsburgh's reaction to it. And yeah. um, here we were trying to say, let's not let's not uh, let's not go down that road. And yeah, um, subsequently, you know, again, those that were involved in that anti-war movement were right. Um, people want to talk about the trajectory of um, Donald Trump versus the trajectory of George W. Bush and you know some people will say like why isn't there a rock against Trump already why isn't there you know and my thing is that took a long time Mm -hmm. people don't remember that that was 2001 and it wasn't until 2000 and late 2003 yeah that the ramp up to that iraq war became as vigilant as it became i mean that mm-hmm. was two plus years so if if anything we're on a greater pace you look at the women's march day one and year one like yeah like folks are pissed and they're in the streets right away like i would i would call us ahead of schedule as far as combating evil via the white house but um i would also say that Let's allow that history to be a lesson to us and, um, you know, recognize that um, because Donald Trump is terrible at Twitter and offending the world with Uh his racism, um, that doesn't excuse the million plus people that George W. Bush killed. Um, So let's not applaud him when he's shown his paintings on TV to Jimmy Fallon or whatever the fuck he's doing, you know, like... um, 
I think that we need to remind ourselves of these atrocities over and over again as to um, learn lessons from them and try our best not to be a, a part of repeating them. Yeah. Okay. And I, I mean, you guys, I can only imagine what you were feeling like back then, but throughout your whole career dealing with issues that scare people. I mean, people are afraid and they react like you're saying. They're, yeah. they're scared and they reach out to you and they say, you know, you guys got to change this, you got to change that. Yeah. Do you carry that weight with you every day knowing that, I mean, what you do affects people to that degree? I mean, you have such a strong fan base yeah. that, you know, I'm sure you lose some from time to time. Maybe something offends them and they write you and say, hey, I can't listen to your records anymore because of this. Does that affect you as much as I would think it would affect you from, from how much you well, guys are into your there, fans? There's an ebb and flow of it. And again, I think that... that the luxury of time that mm -hmm. we have has provided us with the ability to understand that some of those reactions change. Mm -hmm. um, you know, on the internet is a beautiful thing and it allows people to communicate with us pretty regularly and yeah. freely. And um, we've met a lot of people who were introduced to politics via the band in the early aughts yeah. and um, probably at our height. Um, and, and, you know, it definitely had to do with the fashion of disliking George W. Bush mm -hmm. that brought people into politics. And they were looking for music that um, identified with that politics. And that's yeah. where Anti-Flag and Rise Against and Against Me yeah. came in. You know? No effects, the no, Not My yeah, President yeah, shirts. Yeah, and of stuff course, like yeah. That. yeah. So, um, you know, we're well aware that this is fashion and it mm -hmm. comes in in a fashion. But I will tell you that it's impactful to be on the right side of history with your fucking fashion. And it, <laughs> it frustrates me when people get mad at folks who come into the scene because, you know, well, we hate Donald Trump now. Yeah. You know, we're going to listen to punk rock records. Mm -hmm. uh, why are we being divisive of these people? It's, you know... Um, it's not that bad presidents make good punk rock music. It's that bad presidents make good punk rock music accessible and findable. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> it turns the light are on. looking, you know? Yeah. Uh, that has way more to do with it than, than the opposite, you know? Yeah. So I think that, that um, I, don't, I don't see that as a bad thing at all. I, I, mm -hmm. I welcome any and everyone. And great examples of that are as we have you know, gotten older, we've been doing this tour. We did a tour with Real Big Fish last winter. Yep. And on those tours where we play, especially with like Real Big Fish and Less Than Jake and some of them older, more established or nostalgia acts, yeah. for, for lack of a better term, um, people come out of the woodwork and they're like, hey, I haven't been to a show in 10 years or whatever. Here I am. Mm -hmm. um, I got involved in politics because of your band. And now I'm, you know, we met one kid who's a fucking federal judge in um, Wisconsin. Uh -huh. You know, you, okay. meet, you meet kids who now work for the ACLU, mm -hmm. social workers. Yep. And that is people who got introduced to politics via punk rock. And they maybe dropped out. You know, they went to school. They did whatever. Yeah. But that idealism and this belief that we care about more than just ourselves sure that had staying power and so they might not listen to our records but they do other great things yeah and um they're in the system now yeah like woven into it and, and to me there's there's those are victories yeah and so um i, I you know i can't uh i can't carry that weight that you speak of uh because it hurts too much mm -hmm. and and i definitely did like you know, when we signed to Fat for the first record and we put out Underground Network, I thought it was over. I thought it was like, no effects, lag wagon, anti-flag, yep. no use for name, yep. peace. <laughs> and uh -huh. then we put the record out and no one gave a shit. And you're like, oh, man, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Like, you have to try, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was a lesson for the major label that we later signed to. Mm -hmm. Because you signed to a bigger label doesn't mean anyone's going to fucking care what you do. Exactly. So do what you believe in. Yeah. And... Uh, and uh, make sure that you don't use an excuse. And so in that com in those conversations, it was never like, we're signing the label X to get our message out. Mm -hmm. I understand why people would want to say that. Yeah, you're going to get more marketing dollars. Yeah, you're going to get a bigger yeah. machine behind you. But it doesn't mean anyone's going to listen. Sure. So you need to say, we're signing this deal because it's what's best for us at the time. Yeah. And um, ultimately it was. You know, We got a lot of money to give to nonprofits. We were able to start our own 501c3 to... Um, 
uh, do two nonprofit organizations ourselves, one of which changed a piece of legislation in uh, the government that gave military recruiters, high school kids, um, uh, uh, information. You know, like that's a huge thing we got. Yeah. It, if Sony didn't give us the money to start that thing, sure. we wouldn't have done it. You know, but it's a, it's a, it's a give and take, and there are compromises through life that you make. But I certainly don't believe that, you know, anyone who sells their art as a medium um, to to inspire people or to inspire themselves to continue fighting. Mm-hmm. I don't think the same rules apply to you uh, as if you lived in a hut and made your own fucking food. Like, yeah. I, I just like we're already, you know, you bought a CD. OK, Sony owns the CD technology. Like we're be we're slicing up this pie. Of, yeah. Um, capitalism into these you know unattainable uh, ideals so um people might not like it and that's cool And there are a lot of bands out there that that do it a different way than us but Mm -hmm. this is the way that we've found most effective and um that we've been able to survive long enough to continue to do it we have a lot of friends who um either their bands got really big and they couldn't deal with when the music industry went away or either their bands maintained and they couldn't survive because um, uh, they were unwilling to shift the way they did their their quote-unquote business Mm -hmm. Um, but the reason we're still here is we live in Pittsburgh yeah Um, we never went to New York or LA and tried to make it (laughs) sure 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 Uh, uh, you weren't chasing after it like a lot of people are and and ultimately you know we we're okay with being in a van we're okay with being in a bus we're Mm -hmm. okay with you know whatever Whatever makes the thing happen and go, that's what we're going to do. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of life lessons in, in all of that. And again, we have the luxury of time of being in a band now for almost 25 years that not a lot of people get, you know. And yeah. uh, um, this is my 20th year of being in this band. That's you know? insane. I've been in it for over half of my life. Like, yeah. That's a crazy thing to have happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, you said you, you, I mean, jumping back, you said you had to grow up really fast. Being in a, a turbulent situation like that, which is obviously was a turbulent situation to 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 say that, yeah. Um, do you think that set you up for this kind of a lifestyle, as far, or do you think it may have hindered it? Even? Yeah, I think that nothing, um, nothing is one hundred percent comparable, but. And, and and what I'll say is that I've like you know, um, I've had failed relationships mm-hmm. because I use this kind of perspective method for a lot of things because okay. you know like I, I guess in the interest of not being vague, um, so my father is a convicted child molester. He molested my sister, and oh my, God. Um, um, my mom found out. Uh-huh. Obviously kicked him out of the house and I was six years old when this happened and I, I didn't understand why he left and, and no one told me you yeah know, they kind yeah of shielded me from it but he was gone and then I was my brother and my sister um, you know kind of raised me as my mom had to work a lot to allow us to stay in the same house and yeah. live the same lifestyle we yeah. had and um, and then you know my brother is kind of a bit broken and he has his run-ins with the law and uh, I get, kind of get learn this distrust of authority because of that, and yeah. um, then subsequently I find out about my father as uh-huh. I get older, my you know, or like ten, twelve years old. I, I, um, and the reason I find out is because he wasn't convicted in the case with my sister, but he later does it again, um, molests another child, and um, because of that, we have a thing called Megan's Law okay. in Pennsylvania. And, uh, so he got a mandatory sentence because uh-huh. of uh, being suspe- su- suspected twice. So through that, you know, like weird shit happens where you have to visit your dad in jail because you want to play ice hockey and he, your grandma won't give you money for uh, <laughs> the season fees unless you yeah. go to the, you know, it's all. And so you're doing this stuff at 10 and 11 and 12 years old. And yeah. it seems insane. And so when I was... Um, you know, would have these things happen in my life with relationships and mm-hmm. someone would say like, man, this is really hard. And I would be like, well, there are these people that go through these things. Like, 
what we're doing isn't hard. Yeah. Like, let's just keep going. Yeah. And I now know that that is wrong to do to people. Um, yeah. Uh, 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 not that doesn't work for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, for me, when this life gets difficult, yeah, it pales in comparison to hardships that I've faced in my life. Whether it's yeah. you know the shit with my dad, the shit with my brother, the mm -hmm. you know my sister being murdered later on in life, like these things all have happened. Um, and I am able to recognize what is a real situation and what is, uh, well, we're kind of just like, we're worried about some kids not coming to our shows anymore. Like, yeah, I don't fucking care. Yeah. <laughs> like that doesn't matter to me. I'm going to keep my head down and keep doing the art and the things that make me feel whole and human. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully that connects with people. And, um, we've been fortunate that it does connect with a lot of people. Sometimes we put out records and art and music and play shows and they don't connect with people. And yeah. People don't come out. So those things are out of my control. The only thing I control is my mental attitude going into them. Yeah. And um, and making sure that, you know, I allow myself to to, you know, be bummed out when it's a situation that merits it. But uh -huh. also um, have the strength to recognize that. Uh, a lot of these things are trivial in yeah. our lives and whether or not anyone buys our record or not mm -hmm. doesn't really fucking matter sure <laughs> there's a lot of people who are going through a lot of real shit and and uh i want to make sure that with the art that i create that there is some connection to those people yeah they they feel an empathy or um some type of solace with it. that that's insane yeah it's All, insane. i mean and I'm very sorry about your sister. No, and no, no. Yeah, I've, yeah. It seems like almost you have a lot in common with these young men that go to war and come back and then try to reacclimate to civilian life. You yeah. know, to where they see these atrocities. Maybe it didn't happen to them, but what they saw mm -hmm. makes them look at every, that perspective you're talking mm -hmm. about makes them look at everything differently. Yeah. You know, and the fact that that you're doing what you're doing and and you're doing what makes you happy and you know it's just it's it's admirable that you i mean people that go through things like that i admire they even get up in the morning for yeah. one but to go out and and have the 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 strength to say how they feel and i mean what you guys are doing is is intense i yeah. mean to I mean, anyone can be in a band anyone can be in a band of any level but there's not a lot of people out there that stand out like that that you know you can look at a career and say jesus christ they said yeah. i know what you're feeling this year i know you're feeling yeah. this year you know? well what what i'll say is that for a long time um i believe that the the way anti-flag worked was we saw a thing we reacted to it mm -hmm. we commented on it our job was essentially that of a journalist i later learned and I, I primarily learned this after the death of my sister, mm -hmm. that we're allowed to interject ourselves into that commentary mm -hmm. because we're not journalists. We are artists. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it feels pompous and egotistical to say that, but I do believe that what we're leaving behind is, is valuable art. Yeah. And um, what I learned once I began to do that and one of the reasons why, you know, with a complete stranger, I'm comfortable talking about all these things. Mm -hmm. People will hear this and may have gone through similar things. And now we can share our stories. Yeah. Versus before, I was carrying all that around by myself. And so after my sister died, we, we you know, the only thing I knew how to do was the thing I learned in punk rock. Mm -hmm. When something bad happened, what do you do? You put on a benefit show, you put on a benefit record, you, do, you know. Yep. So you get uh, to work. You get to work. And essentially it was, okay, my niece and my nephew, now, you know, my uh, my nephew lost his mom, my, nie my niece lost her mom and dad. Let's put out a record. Let's give money to them. Mm -hmm. Let's give money to the organization to help my family deal with this. It's called the CVVC, the Center for Victims of Violent Crime. Yep. And it was like, get to work. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how I deal with this. We work, you yeah. know. And um, then we went on tour and 
after the show, there would be a couple kids waiting. And one would say, hey, I, I lost my dad or my brother or yeah. my you know, nephew or my you know, cousin or my whatever. Yeah. And I didn't know that we could keep going. Thanks. Yeah. And then you go, oh, shit. Like, that has a further reach than just saying, this is the Project Root America's entry. It's a document that was written. Dick Cheney's a piece of shit. <laughs> Donald Rumsfeld's a piece of shit. <laughs> like, educate you. Okay, good. Yeah. Now go and be mad about that. You know, yeah. now that there's some real human shit that's involved, yeah. people can come and say, like, this is why I feel this way. You know, I'm a little bit broken. And that yeah. makes me sad when I see Michael Brown's family in the courtroom. And yeah. That's why I'm connected to that. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not just mad because the police murder um, with no repercussion. I'm mad because I know what it's like to sit in a courtroom and watch a murder trial go down and what a family goes through. And yeah. to, to not have any semblance of justice must break their heart, and it breaks my heart. Because yeah. I went through that. Yeah. You know? um, so that's where... That's where empathy is like a real powerful thing and yeah. why that's kind of, uh, you know, if you, you look at like the last two records primarily of yeah. our, that, that's the central focus because that's been my, you know, I'm 32 mm -hmm. when we started the last one, 35 now. Yeah. That's the, the thing that moved the needle for me. Yeah. Know? Like that was that's the message I want to share is this message of empathy. And as you're saying all this, it's the similarities between you and I are crazy. I, mean, I don't talk about a lot of my stuff on the show. Yeah. But so my brother was murdered. I didn't know I had a brother until I was 17. Wow. My dad had another marriage. My mom didn't allow him to tell us about. So I didn't get to have that relationship with him. I have two sisters. One committed suicide uh, after being molested by the grandfather, wow. who at my brother's funeral were sitting there. And down the aisle, my dad says, that's the son of a bitch that molested my kids. Mm -hmm. He's sitting at the funeral in the row with us. We're looking at the grave that holds both now. Yeah. Her, she was 16. He was, he was murdered um, up in Seattle. They found him in Elliott Bay. Uh, and I just looked at my dad, and at that moment, like, everything was, like, hitting yeah. me hard and harder. Yeah. Like, I don't know how he got up in the morning losing yeah. two children, you know? But also, I felt robbed because I didn't have that relationship with them. Yours was so much more intimate. You, you knew your sister. You had a life with your sister. But these similarities, no. being total strangers... Yeah. As you're saying this, I'm just in my head. I'm just like, what is going on? Because yeah. it's, it's so similar. But you don't know what someone else is going through. And that, I mean, that's yeah. why, you know, treating people with respect and, I, and empathy, I, like I you're saying. That, I know that feeling of, you know, we grow up punk and we're pacifists yeah. and we're all these things. Yeah. And, you know, when, when you're sitting there and there's this guy right over there and all you can think yeah. of is like, well, let's just kill him. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Stole from I us. think let's that's what I said. Him. Like, why is he still yeah, alive? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's the same thing where when my sister's trial was happening, there was a confession tape and all of these things. And the folks that did the work did a poor job. And the kid. And they were sitting there in the courtroom. With oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus fucking and, Christ. And the kid walked. You know what? Yeah. Yeah. Kid walked and um, it was a reasonable doubt trial and it was all fucked up from uh, um, uh, the prosecution's side for sure and I saw the failures of the American justice system you know and, and, and I had this you know the kid was 18 years old and it was over you know probably $50 in drugs and you know useless Chris, dude. useless and oh you're sitting God. there and you're thinking well my entire life I was told that this kid's young and mm -hmm. he's made a mistake and we need to be fair to him because he should shouldn't lose his life for yeah. the same. Same time, I'm looking at my mom, and she's falling apart. And, yeah, you know her daughter's gone, and she feels responsible for the path that she sent her daughter down because 
she chose to marry the guy who you know and yeah and, and, yeah and you're like oh fuck this is my uncle said give him the chair and i don't believe in the death penalty yeah yeah <laughs> so you go through there's an insane amount of um soul searching that happens when these things happen but i do find this is going back to what you're saying that the commonality that we share as humans is far greater than our differences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, people need to have these discussions to feel safe enough to have their own. Yeah. And um, so uh, as painful as it is and as much as it hurts to do so, I, I, I try to, when I feel comfortable enough to do so, I try to get it out there and yeah. at least let people know that if, if, you know, they feel alone. They're not. Yeah. You know, and if you feel alone in that scenario, I'm sitting here as a guy from yeah. the other half of the world. Yeah. I don't know how we got to Anchorage, but we did. <laughs> and I've gone through similar things. You yeah. Know, like, um, and, uh, you know, it, it, that those things go with you forever. And um, I think that that's kind of the beautiful thing about our lives. And mm -hmm. that reflects back into being in a band and making records. Um, I've learned that we do have a lasting effect yeah and um there's a lot of power in that so let's yeah. make sure we leave behind good lasting things exactly yeah exactly well that's what i mean that i i don't know where to go from here with that i mean it'd be cheesy to go into <laughs> hey you know benji madden producer <laughs> yeah you know, like hey bitch sorry about your yeah, yeah. but and i really just a great guy he managed us and then um we recorded it in their studio and he was there all the time and i was like you know that you're producing this record, right? Yeah. And we're socialists, so we give him a credit. That's that story. That's how it goes. <laughs> that, that one's easy. And I found out he's married to Cameron Diaz. Yeah. So there, yeah. That's, we, I, did, I, was like, I had breakfast in their kitchen. I hope to see her. I didn't. I haven't met okay. her yet. Yeah. Man. Well, Chris, dude, I really appreciate the of time. Course. I know you got a lot going on. And, and uh, I really, this felt like a really special conversation to me. And, and they all do, but... I feel like I take something from every one of them, and I think uh, I get emails all the time, people that responding to specific things that touch yeah, them, or yeah. I stopped this because so-and-so said this, and that's what I needed to hear, you know. And, well, and, this uh, is the new world, and um, I'm, I've done now, um, you're the third podcast interview I've done. Total? Uh, total. Um, really? Yeah. Like, I, I feel like I've been a part of them, where uh -huh. it's like, but never the whole sit down and do the 40, 50 minute sure, conversation. Sure, sure, sure. And, um, you know, I, I did Shane uh, from Silverstein. Oh, yeah, we're on the same network. Oh, cool. And yeah, Jabberjaw. I, I did um, Damien's. Uh, uh, Turned Out Punk. Yeah, and uh, now this. And they all feel like therapy sessions to me. And um, you I, got great. the most dirt out of all. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not because, my intention no, at all. But, but it's, it, it has to do with comfortability and. Um, yeah. yeah. So thanks for for allowing it to happen and and absolutely. And, uh, Thank you for the time. I yeah, know. I mean, course. sitting down for 50 minutes on tour is almost impossible yeah. if you're not in. The, you know, hey, you know, here's 20 minutes here. Here's a 10 minute conversation on YouTube yeah. out in front of the venue. You know, yeah, and yeah. and uh, I mean, I I value the time cool. and it's. I mean, because you the million other things you could be doing and. Yeah, it's weed's awesome, legal so. here, man. Let's get out of here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Chris. Well, thanks a lot, man. Thanks yeah, for coming thank on the you. show. Thank you. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Chris number two from Anti-Flag. We were at the little bar at the Hawthorne Theater there. Uh, there's a little bit of background noise, nothing too bad. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. I know we went to some deep places there and some, some exposed a little bit of private information, but at the same time, I think it's valuable for people to hear it and people out there that have gone through the same things. And what, like I said in the beginning, what a fantastic attitude Chris has for the stuff he's gone through. He is just a, a absolute fun guy to be around i mean we'd never met before we've been i'm sure we've been on bills together before but meeting for the first time and five minutes later jumping into this interview it felt like you know we'd known each other quite a while so um i definitely definitely would love to hear feedback from you guys on on uh you know if you're going through the same things or or anything like that i absolutely love to to hear back from you guys but thanks again to chris number two thanks to emily and uh the rest of the band for being cool with keeping chris away for almost an hour and uh thank you guys for listening without you guys there's no show so you know that just goes out to 
the show just goes out to the middle of nowhere and no one hears it. So I uh, appreciate having you guys back week after week. We got more great content coming up for you and uh, things are ramping up for the year. So getting back into the swing of things, I know you guys are too. So definitely keep coming back. Check out peerpleasurepodcast.com. Check out Jabberjaw Media. Uh, check out rockabilia.com and check out Stumptown Coffee. A great set of sponsors and uh, just a real family we've got going here. So once again, thank you for listening. And as always, we'll see you on the radio. Hey, this is Doc Coyle, host of the X-Man Podcast and part of the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network. The X-Man Podcast is where I talk to professionals in the music world and other creative industries about the challenges and transitions of leaving monumental ventures. This podcast is for those passionate and driven 20 to 30-somethings at a crossroad trying to figure out what's next. Listen and subscribe at jabberjawmedia.com.